0: Repairs to Renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.
1: This is Joseph Michael and you're listening to Talking
0: Metal. You're listening to the Talking Metal podcast with your host, Mark Striegel, and special guest co-host, Victor M. Ruiz iTunes number one hard rock and metal podcast. I'm Bud Friendly. Now here are your hosts, Mark and Victor.
2: Welcome, one and all, to another edition of Talking Metal Live. This is Victor M. Ruiz over in Spain and all the way from the East Coast. Mr. Mark Striegel. Mark, how are you?
3: Good, Victor. Victor, it's been a while since I've spoken with you. Glad to be spending another Friday night hanging out with you live on the Talking Metal stream on Live 365. The way you listen to that is you download the Live Live 365 app to your phone, your iPad, and you search Talking Metal within it, and we come right up. You can also listen on Live365.com if you're on a PC or a MacBook or something. Excellent. So, we got a special guest. You want to tell us who we're going to be talking to tonight, Victor? Sure. We're going to be
2: talking to Joseph Michael, former lead singer of White Wizard. At least that's how I not came in contact with him, but first heard his voice and first heard of him as an artist. And I think the majority of us is the same deal.
3: Yeah, definitely. I don't really know much of what he did before White Wizard. It's something we could ask him about to, tonight, and we can find out what he's up to now. We did play a track on the last episode of Talking Metal by a band, which I mispronounced. I, apparently I said Omory Rising. It's Amory Rising, I believe. And I played a track by them on the last episode of Talking Metal which he is singing on. I don't know what the deal is behind this band, if if he's just a a guest on the recording or if he's actually a member of the band. Do you know anything?
2: I know nothing whatsoever on the subject. Hopefully he can shed some light and let us know uh, what's going on with his contribution to this band and what else he has going on at the moment.
3: What else is going on tonight, Victor? we got a, a lot of stuff happening in the world of hard rock and heavy metal.
2: Sure. We have an interesting tidbit that came out. I thought it was a April Fool's joke. But it turns out that Duff McKagan is doing some South American dates with Guns N' Roses.
3: Yeah, and he's already done a number of them. Frank Farrar just posted this awesome picture on his Facebook of him and Duff, like, you know, hanging out together. And I mean, I I have tickets to go see them in Pennsylvania, which hopefully we have a hotel room and everything lined up, but there's a slight chance I might be traveling for work and I won't be able to go, but hopefully it won't fall on that day. Uh, and, and I tell you, I, w- I would just love to see Duff with Guns N' Roses as opposed to Tommy Stinson.
2: Yeah, that that would be, really cool what's amazed me is that he's doing a lot of the new material as well so there seems to be no issues whatsoever with uh him doing the chinese democracy songs yeah uh,
3: i mean i even saw they were doing a bumblefoot uh abnormal yeah. they were playing i don't know if they're playing that as a as a full band or, or bumble's doing it acoustic or what but i saw that in the set list uh, duff does a misfits song what you're the misfits expert what song was it do you know
2: Attitude, which is off of the spaghetti incident. They've actually covered it plenty ah, in the past. okay.
3: Very good. I should have known that. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome.
2: And they actually do uh, Abnormal um, as part of his solo. So the entire band, minus Axel usually do that song live. Wow,
3: ah, I got you. Cool, cool. Well, I think it's an exciting time for Guns fans to have those two guys back on stage together, playing full sure. concerts. You know, there was that time over in London or whatever it was that Duff jumped on stage with them for a bunch of songs. And later he said he regretted it, um, that he had done it. And I'm not sure if that's because it just got so much press or Slash gave him shit about it or what. But it is interesting to think about how Duff doing a string of dates with Guns N' Roses would make Slash feel. And I would imagine that... Slash wouldn't feel good about it, but who knows? Who knows? It's only speculation. And I also wonder if this is him testing the waters for something more major with Guns N' Roses. I mean, could he be testing it to see, hey, you know, could I do this again? I mean, let's face it, I would think Velvet Revolver is pretty much dead at this p- point. I yeah. mean, you know, I don't, no one really cares. <laughs> you know, it's like no, no one, right. there's no real want for another Velvet Revolver record, is there?
2: I don't think there is. I mean, you know, they. we've gone through all this drama with with them looking for a singer. They finally had, um, and I almost just got step Scott Weiland <laughs> as a singer went through that whole debacle. And, you know, I think if they couldn't make it work with him, who else could they get that would even get them remotely close to the same Scott Weiland could have gotten them. And and let's face it, you know, for a lot of people that complain about whatever Axle's done with the name or, or whatever has transpired, similar to the whole Kiss situation, Velvet Revolver, with all of these original members of Guns N' Roses, can come close to meeting the type of... Um, how, how do I phrase this? The, the, the type of billing that Guns N' Roses got with this current lineup, there were still headlining festivals around the world, uh, headlining tours, where Velvet Revolver, at right. the most, if I'm not mistaken, was opening up for Aerosmith, which is what Slash is doing now. So it comes back to, you know, greater than than the parts and the the name actually just putting them over the top, that Guns N' Roses brand just draws people in where Velvet Revolver and Slash and Miles Kennedy and whatever, although they have their their little niche and they're doing great on their own, it just isn't at that same level.
3: Yeah, you know, with Slash, it's interesting because I feel like Slash has more of a recognizable name just as frickin' Slash than he does with Velvet Revolver. Yeah.
2: right. I agree. They're doing much more, um, they're doing shows that are, how do I want to say this, like more top billing shows where they're getting more exposure. That's the word I'm looking for. They're, they're, they're getting more exposure as Slash and his material is getting out there more, I think, than anything that he's done in Velvet Revolver because let's be honest, with Velvet Revolver, they had what, maybe two, three songs on the radio whereas with his project with Miles Kennedy and with Fergie and with everyone else that was involved he's had quite a few different tracks uh played on the radio and this also isn't the, the his first foray on his own he did snake pit and that pretty much fell apart rather quickly as well so right he sort of found something that you know works for him and Let's be honest. With him as top billing, he's also gonna—he doesn't have to share the same amount of spotlight or money in the end that he does with having Matt Sorum or having Duff on board with the band, or other, you know, well-known lead singer like they did with Velvet
3: Revolver. Yeah, yeah. So it should be interesting to see what happens. Again, I, I'm all for Duff ending up in that band, and I think there's actually members of that band. Who would like to see that too? I, uh, you know, just from little bits I've heard, haven't been uh, in yeah. contact with anybody in that band in recent time. But uh, you know, there, there's. Uh, listen, Bumblefoot. It's no secret that he's friends with Duff too. You know, I mean, he he right. got up on stage and played with Duff, and and Axel's never had that hatred towards Duff. You know, and and you know, it, it would just be great. It would it would be great to get Duff back in the band. I would I would love that. And it would also
2: I think bring a certain sense of legitimacy to the band that maybe people have questioned well, you know it isn't only Axel anymore, and it is Duff who has played with so many people over the years uh who's jumped in and decided to you know revisit what he had done in the past. but I do think that you know even if it's only two out of the four big names that were in the band There are actually three big names if you really look at it um it's still you know a good chunk of what people recognize with that band
3: absolutely and on that note let's get into a little guns and roses here on the live stream and when we come back we will hopefully have joseph joseph michael formerly of white wizard on the line to update us on what he is currently up to
2: Excellent. This is a track that Duff wrote. This is It's So Easy off of Appetite for Destruction.
0: so cool why don't you just
2: Joseph this is uh Victor and Mark Yo. from Talking hey. Metal Lot. You what? are actually live right now. Really? Warned, yes.
3: Born. Oh my Joseph, god. Great to have <laughs> you on. You're live on the Talking Metal stream with us right now, but most people will hear this in podcast form on Tuesday. But mm-hmm. we have had so many people on the show from White Wizard, former members of White Wizard through the years, <laughs> and you are one who we haven't spoken with yet. So welcome, and That's true. Uh, we're ready to Thanks talk. Thanks for having me.
1: You bet, there's, uh, there's been a lot of members to choose from over the years.
3: Yeah, like thirty-four or something. I don't know. Sounds quite like a, that, it's, yeah. it's in the twenties, I think, right, Victor?
1: Well, that officially, yeah. There's more, but they didn't get yeah. the to...
2: <laughs> There are more that. Um, never even got officially into the band; that were just touring members, and there there are a bunch. Of, I'm sure we don't even know about. Wow. Right. Well, There's anyways,
3: a... <laughs> we we loved your voice on the Last White Wizard record, and we wanted Thank to find you. out what that voice is going to be up to nowadays. That you're no longer involved with that band.
1: Uh, well, I mean, that's if it is a band anymore. But um,
3: yeah, that's a whole yeah, actually. Yeah,
1: I that's not my fight no longer. Um yeah, uh it's as soon as I got back from uh Europe, uh well actually while I was still in Europe, um, was still with uh Jake and Will down in southern England. Jake asked me if uh if I'd like to write a record with him and you know, that didn't <laughs> then everything went down with, with the band and and, uh, you know, everyone jumped ship. And I got back from Europe, and Jake's like, you're still interested. And uh, we've, we've, been, we've been working uh, nonstop since November.
3: Wow. Now, is this what you've sent me? You have had some MP3s sent to me by, uh, and pronou- help me with the pronunciation, but Amory Rising?
1: Ah, Mary Rising is uh, a.
3: Mary Rising.
1: Yeah, they're uh, it's I guess it's like some north god, but um,
3: they they're, the, they're uh, that's not with James. No,
1: no, no, that's that's a, uh, that's some guys up in uh, Fresno that are that were having some trouble with their singer. They were in the middle of recording like an EP, and uh, they they approached me asking me if I'd do it. And you know, I I do this this is my thing. I do this for a living, so. They hired me to sing on this, and they were able to get me and Ralph Patlin, you know, packaged together. And so I went down to Arizona and did a couple songs with them. That's that's what that thing is. It's just a guest spot so that they could move forward (laughs) because they were having a lot of trouble with the last singer.
3: Gotcha. So the thing with Jake—is there Mm -hmm. a name for this yet?
1: I, I was I was. Speaking with him uh, yesterday, and uh, we don't want to release the name until we get all the trademark clearances and the band agreement, you know, nailed down. Uh, it's, it, but yeah, like with the EP is written, uh, and we're 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 doing to start tracking the actual uh, what what will be the actual EP in July because everyone's schedule. We also we have Roth Patlin who's going to be involved. And we have uh, Adam Sagan from Circle to Circle, who's going to play drums. And, uh, you know, everybody's busy. So July is when we're going to start actually tracking.
3: Cool. And are all you guys based in Los Angeles?
1: No. uh, Adam's in the northern Midwest, like Minnesota. But, yeah, Jake and I are in L.A.,
3: And it's going to be an EP, which means, like, what, four or five songs?
1: Six songs. Six songs, about about 40 minutes of music. I mean, we could be cheap and call it a record, but (laughs) we're not going to do that.
3: Okay. And stylistically, what can we expect? I mean, we know you and Jake, again, from that last White Wizard record, which is, you know, traditional straight-ahead metal, I would call it.
1: Right. Um, it, it's it's definitely different from from what you heard on on that record. Um, I mean, we uh, we were pretty much given a template to, to work within, uh, being a White Wizard, and you know, <laughs> we we really couldn't divert too much from from what the the fans of that band were used to hearing. So what, whatever we wrote in that project had to be kind of, you know, filtered, <laughs> but, uh, this is, this is a lot more dynamic. It's a lot more, uh, a, lo- a lot, darker, uh, I would say like along the lines of nevermore King diamond, but with okay. some like theatrical, like sabotage pink Floyd elements.
3: Oh, cool.
1: Yeah. It's, I I'm really happy with, with the songs that we have. For this, and uh, it it, <laughs> it really took me by surprise, you know. Like after that big uh, uh, European fail, letdown, that we were able to just pick right back up and and move forward.
3: But you mentioned Jake had had asked you about writing a record with him when White Wizard was in Europe together. Was this prior to the demise of the band?
1: I mean. It, we we really don't want to talk too much about White Wizard. I know that right now, like that's what you guys want to talk about. Um, let put it bluntly, White Wizard was doomed from the start. I mean, how many how many talented musicians can you go through and expect to keep getting chances? You know, right. Um, the, the 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 tour wasn't even going to happen. We we were. there were were some things that were told to us before we got on the plane that as soon as we got off the plane, weren't lined up. And, you know, it was a miracle we got through, you know, the six shows that, that we did as a, as a unit. Um, but yeah, um, we were at Will Walner's mother's house and, uh, we were discussing, you know, things like rental cars and, where Jake's money was and the Indiegogo funds, and, and uh, that's when that all came about. And it was the next day in Cardiff that I basically told John, you know, look, you know, uh, <laughs> where's the money? If not, I'm out. Like, I'm out. And then that's when I was no longer in the band.
3: Okay. So, this is a four piece that you guys, the, the project, the band with, with Jake?
1: Not not too sure. Um, right. okay. We we we're going to be looking for uh, probably a second guitar player and a bass player. So it'll it'll probably end up being a five piece. Maybe uh, maybe keyboards. They're not that big of a part of the the songs right now. But I've been writing some some things here and there, uh, mostly for atmosphere transitions.
3: When you say atmosphere and transitions, you mean like in-between song stuff?
1: Uh, that too, yeah. Um, I don't know how well you guys know me, but uh, I play variety of instruments and write and whatnot. And yeah, and you, it's going to be pretty dense.
3: <laughs> and do you produce too? I, I seem to remember reading you do producing, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I write, produce, do all that, play guitar, bass, piano.
2: As far as um, the stuff that you've recorded previously uh, off of the Devil's Coat, would you ever entertain playing any of that stuff live with what you're currently going to be playing?
1: I don't think that that will happen. I I can't see it happening. Um, It's not really my call. (laughs)
3: Yeah. Cool. And are you guys talking with labels or is it too premature uh, being that you haven't started reporting it? I mean, I,
1: yeah, I mean, the, I, obviously Eric asked me what what was what I was doing as soon as they found out, you know, that White Wizard was done. The, yeah, I mean, I was still in Europe, and and I, I'm getting messages from them like, "Are you in the band?" No. Okay. Then, like the next day, White Wizard no longer on Eric and they're asking me to call them when we get back. Yeah. So I, there's some interest. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm sure. For once once we get some of the the recording done, where we can have something to show. Yeah. We're, <laughs> I don't. I really. Uh, it's too early though.
3: Okay. And will you guys converge as a band in one specific studio or being that members are kind of spread out? Will each person kind of be recording their parts in their part of the country and then, you know, pulling. Well, no,
1: we're, 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 uh, we're, we're talking, uh, with, with Ralph, a uh, devil's cut producer, uh, about tracking everything with him in Arizona. So everyone's going to be, uh, in the same room.
3: <laughs> ah, cool.
1: cool. Yeah. I, I think uh, we might actually go out to Minneapolis and work with Adam on on some of the final arrangement
3: touches. Excellent. And what were you up to before you were in White Wizard? Can you fill us in on a little bit of your past and background as a musician?
1: Sure. Uh, well, the last thing I did before White Wizard, um, I was working on... A, like uh, a group of songs for uh, it, it, we called it Vixens vi- uh, Volume One, and it was like ten female singers uh, and, and ten different styles. And we, you know, we we produced this thing in my studio. I played guitar, bass, sang backgrounds, uh, engineered some of the sessions. And uh, one of those songs ended up on Fright Night Two. Besides White Wizard, one of the other things I've done that had some notoriety. Yeah. Um, before that, I was in a kind of like a niche band uh, called Midnight Rain, where I, pr- I pretty much played everything on it, saying wrote everything. Uh, but that was that was a self release, and uh, you know, <laughs> I could never find musicians uh, that could fulfill it. You know, right. But I mean, I've been doing I've been doing music full time for. God, I don't know, like thirteen years.
3: So you're able to support yourself just strictly doing music?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. For the that's last awesome. eight years, yeah,
3: that's awesome. Doing
1: lessons, right? Yeah, it, it was a hard fought battle. I mean, I I moved out to L.A. from New York on a Greyhound with with fifty dollars in my pocket in '99, and you know, it's it's it was an uphill battle. Yeah.
3: Cool. And where in New York are you from?
1: Upstate, uh, Utica, near Syracuse.
3: Oh, okay. I got a cousin in Sodus. You know, Sodus. Where is that? Is that by Binghamton? Actually, that's closer to Rochester. So, yeah, not too close to Syracuse.
1: Okay, yeah. Yeah, my first concert was in Rochester.
3: Uh, And what was that?
1: (laughs) That was uh, Aerosmith and Brother Kane. 1992 yeah it didn't last very long
3: what are some of your favorite bands of all time singers favorite bands
1: singers uh the singer that got me into uh because I I started as a musician playing guitar and a little piano but the, the 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 skid row record slave to the grind was one of the first things that, that made me want to, you know, give it a go. <laughs> um, that and Dream Theater's Awake, Sabotage, Dead, Winter, Dead. Um, definitely King Diamond, Conspiracy was a big one. Good ones. Yeah. Like, I, I like a lot of, you know, <laughs> my tastes run pretty wide.
3: What non-hard rock stuff do you listen to? <laughs> Can I talk about that? Of course. (laughs) Uh,
1: I mean, everybody likes certain Prince songs. Um, hmm, I I like some country, like Terry Rogers. Cool. Uh, Definitely classical music. Uh, uh, I I like a lot of the singers. I'm a definite uh, fan of Mariah Carey, Celine Dion, Things like that
3: okay and so you now live do you live in Hollywood
1: I have a I have a place in uh, Silver Lake and I have a place in Las Vegas
3: oh okay now Silver Lake uh, where actually is that?
1: Silver Lake is a little bit east of Hollywood it's, it's right in between uh, uh, like Glendale. And, and Los Angeles, Hollywood. It's, it's next to Dodger Stadium.
3: Oh, okay. And how would you describe the scene, both scenes, actually? How, how, how does the scene in Los Angeles, music scene, specifically hard rock, heavy metal scene, compare mm-hmm. to the music, hard rock, heavy metal scene in Vegas? Because we've seen so many hard rockers kind of end up in Vegas in recent years. So I'm just wondering if, if you can compare the two or talk about the two.
1: Well, you know it's 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 weird. Like without without sounding jaded, it's hard to be honest. <laughs> but uh, there, I, for one, I, I didn't even know there was a metal scene until I got asked to 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 join White Wizard. <laughs> really, I didn't I didn't know that there was like a whole clique of bands like Holy Grail and uh, what's the it's, uh another band, uh, Gypsy Hawk, and um, I, I didn't know that that these bands existed, and let alone that they had you know fan bases. Uh, uh, it's like this massive void of of emptiness. That's what both L.A. and and Vegas seem to be like.
3: Okay, cool. like unless you
1: know about these specific bands, like if you just show up at any of the the venues on any given night and 99% of the time there will be no one in there.
3: But is it almost like a click that once you're in that the scene actually does kind of exist and,
1: you know, yeah, is maybe
3: thriving at totally. some level. Yeah. I
1: mean, there, there are, uh, there's a lot of support there if you're, if you're inside. Like I, I couldn't believe, uh, some some of the bands like that we had on, on some of those White Wizard tours that were that were the opening bands, I mean they, they had a lot of support and, and I, I would presume that it's, you know, a collective of all the, the small bands in that scene, you know, showing up.
2: Yeah. Based on what you're saying, I guess Adam would be a a perfect drummer to fit the bill to do something in the Pink Floyd sabotage vein. Is that the specific Reason that you wanted to go after him to fill out the band?
1: Uh, well, uh, Jake, he uh, Jake's worked with him before. They they did a uh, uh, I don't know if you call it an It's only three songs, but Jake has a solo record out. It's kind of like you know the Strapnel, like uh, Shreddy Prague thing, and Adam played drums on that. So that's how they they know each other. So I, I think that uh, he was. He was uh, he was already going to be a part of it, no matter like who he was working with. I gotcha. think so.
2: That's just basically Jake was comfortable working with him and just wanted to bring him into the fold.
1: Well, yeah, that's part of it. I mean, he's a great drummer. I don't know if you've heard his other work. I think he was in In Eternity and what uh, was other band he was in. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the guy can. He, he can definitely write for a melody and he also can he can shred.
2: Gotcha. Okay.
3: Cool. Well, Joseph, I think it's pretty exciting news to have you and Jake working together in a band and I hope you keep us updated on stuff like recording and the mm-hmm. band name and what you guys are going to be up yeah. to, you know, uh, <laughs> touring-wise and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a, a very promising start
1: definitely yes we're we're, we're everything's going to happen in, in it, at its own pace and we're going to be really measured about what gets released and what doesn't and and when
3: cool any word from will you spoken with will walmer lately <laughs> I,
1: I talk to will all the time if i i uh i i spoke with him the other day we we had a good laugh over some some nonsense he's uh He's uh he's enjoying his time in Berlin, I guess.
3: <laughs> so there's no chance with him being in Berlin that he could be pulled in as the second guitar player.
1: Uh, you know I don't know. I, I don't. I'm not sure if this is Will's cup of tea. Uh, If <laughs> we did a video on uh, uh, with with Carilla from from San Diego Metal and uh, where we talk about our favorite King Diamond albums <laughs> and and will like had nothing to say.
3: <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we're going to What do you have queued up there, Victor?
2: Uh, I have a track called Road to Sleepy Hollow by O'Mary Rising. I hope I pronounced that correctly. I think so. Amory. <laughs> Amory, right? Amory
3: Rising?
1: It it might be. I you know, I haven't clarified that with them. <laughs>
2: Okay, well, let's get into a little Road to Sleepy Hollow then. <laughs> cool.
3: Thanks, Joseph.
1: No, thank you, guys. I'll, I'll let you know as soon as uh, anything can be announced.
3: Yeah, definitely, and we can get you and Jake back on at the same time if you want. Actually, that sounds great. Cool. All
1: right, take All care, right, guys, thank, thanks for having me. Have a good night. All,
0: All right,
1: Bye-bye. Right, Let the sun build your
0: eyes
1: Lady Snow wants only a
0: man She will take you away from this place
2: We are back live here. Mark Striegel, Victor Ruiz. We just yeah. had a little...
3: Joseph Michael.
2: Joseph Michael. We'll keep it at that since... <laughs>
3: was like, oh, he was like, he's, he's like, I know all you guys want to talk about is White Wizard. It's like, well, all right. Uh, what what do you want to talk about? Well, he he made a big announcement. And that is he's working with Jake. A lot of, yeah. a lot of stuff going on. We mentioned Duff and... Guns and Roses, very exciting. We yep. also should mention the KISS, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame.
2: Yes. Yeah, got to see the in uh not the induction ceremony. I'm sorry, the, the speeches that the four original members made. Yes. And I I thought they were, you know, they, they were good for the most part. I know that a few people online wrote uh that they didn't agree with what uh gene had said or whatever but i mean i thought gene did a good job named all the uh you know former members that they wanted to acknowledge as well and i mean i i I had no issues with more or less what everyone said i thought they they did what they needed to and uh You know, uh, I I thought it was good. I mean,
3: I think I think, you know, there was one of these speeches. It was like a a handheld, you know, cell phone cam or something that was up on YouTube. You know, it it didn't sound like there were massive boos when when Stanley mentioned Kulik and and some of the other members. But there was there. I I don't know if those boos were directed towards him, which if they were, that fucking sucks, man, because Bruce Kulik is the fucking man who kept that. Band alive, you know, and was a—I mean, you know—not single-handedly, but was a part of keeping that band alive sure. in some very important times, uh, you know, for us hardcore Kiss fans. Not even the hardcore Kiss fans. I mean, just the casual Kiss fans of 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 the the mid to late '80s and the the first half of the '90s. I mean, Kulik was such an important part, and he should definitely have his his name mentioned from the stage by. Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons. Uh, I mean, I would have thought it would have been freaking cool if if Ace would have said his name, but you know, because right. Ace and, and Kulik are friends, you know. But it's like that didn't happen. So you know, I, I think I think maybe those. I don't know. Did he? I, I think Paul mentioned Bruce, Tommy, and and Eric Singer, and Eric Carr, and, and all in the, kind of in the same breath. And I I, I don't hope, but I could see. That those boos were maybe directed towards Tommy. You think? I don't know. What was your thought on that? I, I I just thought it was kind of uncalled for. Because listen, the hall inducted the four members. That's, and they're standing by that. So why is it uh, a problem for Paul or Gene to mention the members that didn't get inducted? Well, here's the thing. Eyes, you know.
2: Yeah, no, I I agree with you one one hundred percent. And I've I've said this over the last few weeks. Does the KISS reunion mean as much if KISS doesn't carry on with Bruce and with Eric Carr all the all those years? You know, does it just become like a Bay City Rollers type reunion where, you know, it just doesn't have the same meaning. Um I think what those guys did for for, you know, as you're saying the the kiss fan not only the hardcore kiss fan but the casual kiss fan that came along when lick it up came out when you know crazy nights came out and whatever other albums you know were were coming out at the time i think it's you know their place in the band is is very important the only thing that i could think of that since it was with a um a cell phone maybe they were saying bruce and it came across as boo yeah, you know? Could be. know, I'm hoping it was that, you know,
3: it could because be, he- it could be. I'm going to have to go back and listen. That's a good point because yeah. I remember when my dad used to take me to see the Yankees back in the late seventies, early eighties and Lou Pinella would come out. Everybody go, Lou, and I'd be like, dad, why are they booing him? And he would be like, <laughs> no, they're saying Lou. So yeah. maybe they're saying Bruce, but who kn- who knows, um, However, uh, the speeches themselves, and I, you know, I don't want to spend a heck of a lot of time talking about this, but here's my rundown of the speeches. Um, before I do that, by the way, if you want to see a picture of John in a tuxedo at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it is on our Twitter, twitter.com slash talkingmetal. John was there with Ace. He's been with Ace pretty much 24-7 since Ace has been in town. He's probably with him right this minute, actually. Until Ace leaves on Sunday to go back to San Diego or whenever it is, but um, anyways, my the speeches. I thought Gene. This is just real quickly. I thought Gene from the the YouTube, you know, footage I saw, which it's going to look and sound a lot better when it's on HBO next month. But from the YouTube footage I saw, I thought Gene sounded nervous. Actually, I I I don't usually see that in Gene, but I. yeah, I thought there was a nervous tone to his voice, and almost like a nervousness up on stage. Even when he first yelled, it was like a little weird. Like it was like all right or whatever he said. He and he, I, I thought he legitimately seemed a little nervous. Um, which, with all the celebrities and, st- and stuff that were there, I, maybe he was, you know, or maybe not. I don't know. But I, it was the vibe I got from Gene's speech. I thought Gene speech was was nice and he was very respectful of ace and peter almost going a little overboard you know with his praise of, of ace's guitar sound and i shouldn't say overboard but you know he, he was he, he really expressed how special he thought ace and peter's you know drumming guitar playing and singing for that matter were you know he even acknowledged peter chris's singing uh, were to the, um, the you know, f- early part of KISS. And I thought Peter's speech, I can't really remember it that much. I do remember that he thanked Sean Delaney and Bill O'Coin, which I don't think Gene had. Gene went first. So I thought that was cool from Peter. Uh, I thought Ace's speech was good. I think he also thanked Bill O'Coin. I found it. Interesting, he thanked his ex wife or his wife he actually still may be married to and hasn't divorced, but you know he has a fiance maybe they are divorced at this point. I don't know what their that deal is, but um yeah, uh see so thanked Jeanette and I would expect him to thank his his daughter and he thanked his his beautiful current fiance- fiance Rachel. Um, by the way, did you hear that Eddie Trunk interview? John's like on the Eddie Trunk show with Ace. And at one point, Eddie Trunk's like, give John give John the mic if he's going to be talking. And yeah. Yeah, that was pretty wild. If you haven't heard that, guys, that's from last Monday on Sirius Satellite Radio. Ace and John in the studio, He, Ace revealed he has written a song with John for the the new record. So now John has written Ace's book and is also <laughs> writing his music. So uh, there, there you go. I, I actually think I know the riff. Uh, it's, well, I'll tell you guys some other time. But, uh, anyways, uh, Ace's speech was good. Ace, uh, the thing I found interesting, which I almost thought was a little dig at some of the stuff that Paul and Gene have said about Ace in interviews, was the, his statement on addiction and how it's it's not a choice. It's a disease. It's you know, I forget what he said something about diarrhea or something, but yeah, you know,
2: or that if, if willpower really mattered that you would have the willpower to stop diarrhea or something to that effect.
3: Yeah. And whether you believe that or not, listen, I don't consider myself an addict. I, I don't weigh 400 pounds. I, you know, I don't, I've never, I've done, I've done drugs and I do drink, but I, I've never had an, a problem, addiction problem, you know, um, I don't drink every day, and you know, do I like to get a buzz on? Sure, but I, I you listen. I I, I I don't know what it means to be an addict. Uh, part of me feels like it is a choice, and I don't know if I agree with with what Ace said. But Ace, you know, my what I what I, how I feel about it is regardless. Ace made a point to say that this is a, a, not a choice to be an addict and he feels it was something you were born with, something you can't control, and that is something that I feel was aimed at a lot of things that have been said in recent years about him in interviews with Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons. What do you think about that?
2: No, I, I agree. I was listening to it and thought the the same exact thing, and and I was looking because you could see Paul right behind him, I was waiting for the reaction and you could see Paul was like shaking his head during part parts of the things that.
3: um, Yeah, I I think he was like when Ace said about the diarrhea thing, Paul made kind of like a a little laugh or like shook his head a little bit, you know. But, um, you know, I, I really feel that statement from Ace was probably directed back at some of the comments that have been made about him. Uh, recently, and uh, hell, what do I know? Maybe, maybe you know, I, I listen. There's genetics, they say different types of people, uh, alcohol and drugs affect different people differently, depending on their genetic makeup, depending on just who they are as a person, uh, depending on the way they were mentally brought up. You know, so, so maybe, maybe he's right. You know, I'm thinking it through right now. I, I just, I guess my thought has always been that stuff like that is is a personal choice you make. And I very well might not have a way to understand it. And I, I just, uh, you know, might not be educated enough. So maybe Ace was correct about that. Whether he's right or wrong, I do feel like that comment was directed at some of the stuff that has been said about him in public. Uh, Paul's acceptance speech, and then I'll let you talk about your feelings on the stuff, I thought was good. I thought, I thought... Paul was good and he kind of stuck it to the the hall of fame a little bit, which I thought was great. And I'm very curious to see if that part gets edited out of the HBO broadcast because in the past, these induction speeches when HBO airs, it have been cut down. Uh, You know, I, I think Steven Adler even complained about his being cut down. They definitely get cut down. So, you know, if they're going to cut something down, I could easily see them saying, "Edit that that thing Paul said out." Although maybe they'll they'll let the guy ha- you know have have his uh, have his say on on HBO. Who knows? What did you think of the whole induction?
2: Um, I I agree with you with Gene. I thought he was crying. To be honest with you, he just seemed like very nervous, or like you said, or just very emotional, very overwhelmed with the whole thing. And and I didn't think of the whole thing of having you know like jimmy page and people like that in front of him shaking him because you see him you know flapping his gums at all uh, at all times with all the various interviews and different things where he appears you know with all these um you know like paparazzi type uh, yeah but
3: imagine imagine like jimmy page and all these like bruce springsteen all these heavies like in the fucking audience while you're up there and and especially a band like Kiss that just never got that love from the critics or the press. I, I could honestly see it. I mean, I, I listen, when I was in bands, like when I was playing to people I didn't know or people who were fans of my band, all all five of them, you know, I, I, I n- was never nervous. However... When I was in a room where suddenly there were, I remember once I was in a room and a bunch of the guys from Bon Jovi were at the club while I was playing, and not not John Bon Jovi, but a lot of the other guys. And I, I got real nervous, you know. And another gig I played, you know, extra. Uh, some of the guys from Skid Row were at that gig, and I, I got nervous just yeah. because they were guys that, you know, were big rock stars, and that I had maybe looked up to a little bit and and it, it was intimidating in a way and and you know if it were a bunch of guys like tom morello and younger the younger generation that worship kiss i bet Eugene wouldn't have been nervous at all but i i could see like people like even like jimmy page who seems to be friendly with the kiss guys but I've never heard him say, like, oh, they're the most amazing group ever or anything. You know, I, I don't know if he respects them artistically. I think he respects them as individuals. And maybe he does. I I, I don't know what Jimmy Page thinks. But I just, I, you know, it's just... Um, I could see it being a heavy moment for Gene and the other guys.
2: Yeah. The, with the Peter speech, the only thing that sort of stood out to me was he made a point to say, well, I I'm the something to the effect of I'm the one and only Catman or something That's like that. Right. That's
3: right. That's right. You're right. He did say that. He did. I'll always be the Catman. I'm the one and only Catman. I'll always be the Catman. And that was absolutely a slam at the fact that they're st- still using his, you know, his makeup which, you know, is no longer his and yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, you know what, on a whole nother note, uh, and I got to talk to John about this to find out the real deal, but this comment Ace made about that the, the rights to the makeup revert back to him sometime soon. So uh, that should be interesting. Yeah. And that, if it's that's, true.
2: If it's true, and that, that's funny. I, I posted this online. I said, well, for everyone that's, you know, bashing uh, Tommy and Eric, if ACE decides to rent the makeup back out or whatever, then, you know, no one can really complain about it because he's fully involved in the whole thing. The, the other thing that people seem to forget also is that both ACE was in the band with Eric and Peter was in the band with Tommy and neither one of them complained at the time. So, yeah,
3: but if, I mean, in Peter's book, I don't think Peter ever got along with Tommy. Um, Oh yeah yeah. I mean, the, the... and there was very brief thing where they were in the band together for that Aerosmith tour. And that right. I really don't even think they wanted um Peter in the band for that tour when I say they, I mean Paul and Gene, they were under tremendous pressure and this is coming from Peter's book, but they were under tremendous pressure to tour with the original lineup. Aerosmith did not want to tour with uh Tommy there and Eric Singer again. This is Peter's story. They wanted to have the original four there, and there's even a thing in Peter's book where Joe Perry called Peter and like tried to you know say you know what's up with Ace? You guys got to get Ace, and you get you got to do this tour and stuff. And it may have even have influenced uh, Peter's decision to do that tour. So, but yeah, you're right. They were in the band, and Peter says he just he didn't like. Even looking over at Tommy, you know. So, and he made it sound like they didn't really get along well while they were in the band together.
2: Right. Uh, I know that in one of the interviews that were done before the Hall of Fame with uh, it was either Guitar World or, or uh, I don't believe it was the Rolling Stone. It was either Guitar World or Classic Rock magazine, where Tommy actually goes out and says, "You know, I'm more than just the former." uh tour manager you know i've been in the music industry for 30 years
3: now yeah that's the one yeah the guitar magazine or whatever that was with uh paul and jean on the cover yeah
2: yeah um as far as paul's (laughs) paul's speech once i was done listening to it it was funny i went to uh eat lunch with my wife and it was the first thing that i said there i said well it'll be interesting to see how much of this inter- or this uh speech actually makes it into the uh final show that's on hbo because he you know he's been hammering away at the hall of fame the whole time and he you know did it once again and i think he's 100% correct you know for for years and years You know, you've had, and not to knock any of the people that were, you know, inducted previously, but you know, did, you know, did the Staples Sisters or whatever their name are, you know, did, did they have more of an effect on music overall than Kiss did, or than Sabbath, who took forever to get in, or even Zeppelin, who didn't get in on a first try? You know, I mean, it's Deep Purple is
3: still not in, you know, still.
2: still not in, yeah. So I mean he's he's a hundred percent right, and you see that they turned it over to the fans for um, three different uh, on three different occasions. Rush got in, Kiss got in, and Nirvana got in. I mean Nirvana would have gotten in anyway, but it's just interesting that you know the the, the fans are actually voting for harder edged bands. They're definitely not voting for Patty Smith or anything, you know, remotely similar to that. And no knock on Patty Smith, but does she have the influence that, you know, Purple or Yes or or Maiden or Priest has had? Right. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. And I think well, it was
3: cool. I think, yeah. Go ahead, finish.
2: No, I was going to say I, I think it was cool to see Tom Morello's speech. I don't know if you saw the uh, press conference where Tom came out and then Ace came out. Ace with John actually. Um and Tom made it a point. No, he said
3: the press conference. John was at the press conference.
2: Yeah, Ace Ace <laughs> couldn't hear a lot of the questions. So John was running out on stage and he was um repeating the questions in Ace's ear so he could repeat. And I mean, Ace was up there making ace noises basically. So yeah. um
3: <laughs> It's so amazing to me that John, this lifelong friend of mine who I've known for, you know oh, I don't know, going on 20, 25 years, you know, um, he has always just been, he's always known Ace, even when I first met him. But the fact that he's now working for Ace is, uh, really crazy, uh, but good for him, you know? So he's, he's having fun doing it and, uh, Ace treats him well, you know, Ace, Ace, uh, Ace seems like a good boss and, um, Hopefully, we'll be uh, talking to you soon on Talking Metal. sounds like that's going to happen shortly.
2: Awesome. Um, getting back to the whole Tom Morello thing, he he basically says this is that he was championing for uh, Kiss to get in for quite a few years now, and he's been after the Hall saying, "Look, you know, you guys are neglecting hard rock and metal, which is a very important part of rock music, and has helped." keep rock music alive for you know a few decades now and you're really turning your back to them and their bands he he says that a band like kish should have gotten in on the first you know year they were eligible and he basically says you know thanks to the fan voting now he says who knows what will happen next year he said but you know within the next few years i'd fully expect You know, Deep Purple, Iron Maiden, and Judas Priest to be in the Hall of Fame. He says something to that effect. Yeah. So, I I thought it was cool that, you know, that that he goes out and mentions all this. The problem
3: that Deep Purple have, and I love Deep Purple, and I think they're as influential as Black Sabbath on what heavy metal became. But the problem Deep Purple have that, you know kiss and rush don't have is kiss and rush have today at this point in their career have a much stronger die-hard fan base where yeah. purple have a very small diehard fan base um you know great band and really amazing stories and a lot of just crazy stuff when you look at their history with who's been in and out of that band, but they just don't have that emotional connection with as many people that kiss and rush have, and you know, Sabbath have for that matter too. You know, they, they just don't have it. And I would say iron maiden have that connection with their fans more so than purple does nowadays. Uh, I mean, Iron Maiden, when they come through New Jersey, they still basically fill or close to sell out, you know, the arena in Newark where Deep Purple are coming through, uh, hoping to check, check them out, actually. And they're playing, you know, the little theater in Morristown. Right. Um, which, you know, I don't know what that, have you ever been to that place? It probably seats a thousand. I'm not sure. Maybe more than that.
2: Uh, Fifteen hundred, th- yeah.
3: maybe. Between
2: a 1, 1,500. Yeah, it sounds
3: right, and, and and they'll probably they'll probably do pretty well filling that. But it's it's not. I mean, Kiss. You know, people make a lot a uh, big to do about oh, Kiss can't fill up you know sell out arenas like they used to but they, they, nope. they do they do really well when they come through town right. at least through new jersey especially when it's a double bill with motley Crue or def Leppard or something like that so i i just uh, i think that's the one issue purple will have is they don't have that devoted fan base that rush and kiss have uh at least not right now in 2014 uh, and they don't have the critics on their side either so it's hmm. it's It'll be tough. And, you know, if, if people like Lars Ulrich and other people can petition and maybe get the board to recognize them or I mean, what, who who the hell's on the board? Aren't these guys getting to be like 70, 80 years old? They should be dying off soon. And I do right. think that the next generation of hipsters, which is essentially what these old guys on the board w- at least were back in the, the 60s and 70s, I do think among – the newer generation like i even heard the current editor at rolling stone is a big kiss fan you know i do think the 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 music press the the let's say 50 and under music press is much more accepting and respects bands like kiss and and just hard rock in general a lot more than the over 50 or even over 60 crowd does you know
2: right well I, I think that and i and i've said this for a while now they're they're definitely going to have a hard time filling the hall because if you're if you're going to neglect a lot of what took place in the 80s i mean if you look at it not only are the bands that we mentioned do they need to go in but motley crew has to go in at some point whether you like it or not bon jovi and poison have to go in at one point um all these bands were huge at One point in time or another, and their influence was felt for for good or for for worse, you know. Yeah,
3: and And I mean those just just those people on the board—they just hate those bands. So until there starts to be some turnover, you're you know you're only going to get a handful of these bands. I mean Bon Jovi, honestly, they they're they have that diehard fan base. You know, Uh, they still are able to have like the some of the top grossing tours of the year when they go out, you know, and, uh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So I, I would see Bon Jovi being if, I mean, if they're eligible, which they should be. I mean, when did the first record come out? That was 82,
2: 83. They're well past being
3: eligible. So I would see Bon Jovi as maybe one of the next ones, honestly.
2: I mean, I think what, they, what they're what they going to have to end up doing is like taking one band from the 80s and one band from the 90s just to pacify people, similar to what ended up happening with Kiss and Nirvana. Not, not because that was done by, you know, obviously, again, the fans voted for them, but I think you'll see something like that where, you know, you'll get a, uh, I don't know, a Judas Priest or a Maiden along with a Smashing Pumpkins or or something along those lines, just to sort of keep everyone happy because I think they've done enough to this point to piss people off. And, uh, I mean, if you look at it, had they have named the place the Music Hall of Fame, none of this would be an issue. And, you know, they could have inducted, you know, a a rock act one year, a a rock app, excuse me, rock, a rap act, a pop act, and there wouldn't have ever been an issue. But once you put, you know, a certain style, you know, attached to the mu- museum, you know, I, I don't see how. Again, a lot of these folk singers fit into, right. you know, that or even Madonna. Yeah, or, or if
3: you call it, if you call it the Music Hall thing, then you got it. Just there's jazz and there's freaking classical and. Maybe popular music hall of fame would have been a better yeah. term. Then you're not going to have to induct Yo-Yo Mon and all these guys. But uh, <laughs> right, w- what did you think of the whole Nirvana
2: thing? With uh, you, uh, know, you I, know, I
3: haven't seen all that much of it. I, I think it's cool. Courtney and Dave hugged on stage. Uh, again, right. I, I, I I saw a small clip of Joan Jett singing um, Teen Spirit. spirit uh, which I didn't think sounded terrible and I didn't think sounded amazing. I, it, right. Uh, my friend who was there told me that the Nirvana stuff with Lord and the chick from St. Vincent were, were just incredible. So I look forward to seeing those. Uh, I didn't see the induction speeches. I'll probably wait to watch those when they're on HBO. Um, why isn't this stuff released on DVD, though? I've been wondering that for years. It's probably you know, they, this... like rights and clearances stuff. I, I don't know.
2: But don't you think they'd make enough money that they'd be able to, you know, take care of all of that?
3: I don't know. I don't. I really don't know. Don't know. Or, or maybe
2: there really isn't a market for. Uh, I mean, I, I'm I'm assuming again, as you just said, with like Kiss or Rush, where you still have a a big fan base. You know, you could. Potentially sell these things,
3: but maybe, maybe other years. Uh, where... I, I, don't know. I don't know. And um, then, so what happened? Also, I guess just to wrap up our Hall of Fame coverage. Sure. Uh, Ace had mentioned, and John had even told me this that he was going to jam with Tom Morello. Now that was cut, right?
2: I I don't know. I you know what little information that I've seen was on blabbermouth and brave words, and it was early this morning, and it was just the induction speeches and the two interviews that i mentioned i didn't see anything regarding whether ace ended up playing yeah, well, or not ace was
3: supposed to play highway to hell probably right. because they you know paul and gene wouldn't give them publishing rights to do anything else uh, Ace had, i guess offered to do new york groove and that was shot down i don't know if that's a different publisher since you know russ ballard wrote it um but uh yeah, so he was gonna do Highway to Hell, which I just think is a little weird. Okay, you're gonna do an A C D C song. That's kinda strange. Um, right. Have A C D C been inducted? Yes. They haven't?
2: Yeah. yeah. That was uh I mean they, they, they had their issues with that as well. Yeah. So they but, uh
3: Well anyways, they were supposed to do Highway to Hell and I, I heard that it was cut. I'm not a hundred percent on that, but I right. heard that because Springsteen's speech went too long, it was cut. So Let's wrap it up here tonight, Victor. You got anything you want to play for us to take us out or or not? We could just end it.
2: Uh, actually, I had some Vinnie Vincent queued up.
3: <laughs> oh, yes, Vinny Vincent. There was a great article on the Rolling Stone website about Vinnie. And, of course, uh, sounds like he's not in that house in Nashville, uh, the Nashville suburbs anymore, and no one seems to know where he is. People are thinking maybe even he's back in Connecticut. Any guesses to Vinny's whereabouts?
2: I guess uh, Donny G. A.K. Bill Wang will have to uh, spread that search a little farther. than Yeah,
3: searching the parks in San Francisco is is not going (laughs) to turn up Vinny Vincent. Um, At least I don't think so. You never know, though, right? You never know.
2: They they did confirm that his wife did die, though. It was interesting. And I didn't know that she was a... uh... Former girlfriend of Ace
3: Frehley. Yeah, I asked John about that, actually. And John said, that's what people uh, think. But this John, I, just recently I asked him, and John said, I don't actually know that that's true. Um, so, and John knows more about Ace than Ace knows about himself. So, there you go. <laughs> if John doesn't know that it's true. So, I, I who knows? Who knows? Maybe it was a she had a one night stand with ace or something maybe not i i really don't know i don't know it could be maybe it's not true because not everything you read or see on the internet is uh is the truth
2: right regardless of what people think yeah
3: <laughs> cool man well it's it's been great hooking up with you again tonight uh absolutely and we I think I'm going to try to post two talking metal episodes next week. This being one and my interview with a couple of the people from Epica as another. So hopefully a two a twofer, right? That's how they used to say it. A twofer of talking metal will be uh hitting you next week in podcast form.
2: Awesome. So I have a little Vinnie Vincent queued up. This is coming off of the Euphoria CD, which is mentioned in the article. And this is a track called Wild Child coming off of that. And
3: when did this Euphoria CD come out?
2: 96. I picked it up when he did the, the signing at the Teaneck Kiss Expo.
3: And did you get him to sign it? Yes. Oh, wow. So you've met Vinnie Vincent.
2: I've met Vinnie Vincent, and it's funny because the person that I was dating at the time was studying photography, and for some fucking reason, when she took my picture uh, with Vinnie Vincent, my head's cut off, so it could be anyone.
3: <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, and and yes. Did you Vinnie guys Vin- break up after that? No. No. Oh. I would have broke up with her. You freaking take a picture of me and Vinnie Vincent, and you cut my head off. That would have ended the relationship. <laughs>
2: I wasn't thinking clearly, sir. <laughs> um, he he was ex- escorted to the uh, signing booth by a bunch of bodyguards, which I found funny. Yeah, <laughs> but um, which is also mentioned. The next year, he did show up without bodyguards, but
3: yeah, any- his obsessed fans. He can only send send uh, sell twelve t shirts, you know, for seventy five dollars. But you know, his he's worried about the obsessed fans. Jesus. Craziness. Anyways, I I'd love to see him resurface. You know, you know, it would be. A, we got to ask Mitch LaFon about um, Vinny Vinny's whereabouts. Uh, he he seems to be so connected. He's got to have some thoughts on on that issue. The,
2: the, yes, the the uh, Canadian connection. Yes. He's got to have some something from the Canadian underground that's at least. Given him an inkling of where Vinny may be located.
3: Yes. So, guys, check Victor out on Talking Metal Digital's Mars Attacks podcast. Check out Mitch LaFont on One to One, another Talking Metal Digital podcast. Of course, I'm Mark Striegel from Talking Metal. John joins me a lot here on the podcast. You guys all know John Astronomy. And sometimes we do another podcast called Talking Rock that gets about three episodes a year so don't hold your breath for that one i I have another one mapped out though so i'm going to hopefully do that soon but anyways it's been great talking with you tonight victor let's end with a little vinnie vincent
0: What wow.